going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Maxwell Kosmolsky, and this is Max's Morning Market Mania. It's May 23rd, 2022, and as usual, I'm going to be reporting bad news, unfortunately. I would love to be reporting good news to you guys. I'm reporting what I see in the markets, and what I see is a crapshoot. The Dow Jones had its eighth week of losses. You want to know the last time that happened? 1923. What is that, 99 years? It's been 99 years since the Dow Jones went down eight weeks in a row. S&P 500 down seven weeks in a row. The last time that happened was 2001. This is getting pretty choppy. The S&P 500 on Friday, although it did rally on Friday, it did briefly touch uh, bear market territory, which is technically defined by a 20% decline from its peak. And it briefly touched that, but rebounded a little bit. And you can look at the fear and greed index, and there is extreme fear right now. We have a, a Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell. He is coming out Tuesday after market to talk. So we're going to see how that has an impact on the markets. I reckon they're going to go way up or way down, and then it'll correct from that and then do the opposite. So in other words, my prediction is not because I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. But Wednesday, we saw the Dow Jones was down 1,100 points. Another very, very bad day for the Dow. And like I said, I want to be reporting fun news to you guys. I want to be talking about all these stocks that are going through the roof. You know, back when, uh, after the liquidity crunch, all these stocks were going nuts. 2021, we still had some crazy activity in the markets. But at some point, we had to come back to reality Things got way out of whack. Things got way overbought. Everything happens in cycles. Things got way overvalued, and things are coming back. But with this, we see stocks at their, a lot of stocks are near their 52-week lows, and I think this creates buy-in opportunities, and in some cases, it's a generational opportunity. You, we had these opportunities when the NASDAQ crashed. You could have bought Amazon at like a 89% discount or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the great financial crisis, you could have bought anything at a discount there and cleaned up once the, the stock market went back up. And I am a long-term bull in the stock market. Companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, they're, they're not going anywhere. They provide too much value to just simply drop off the face of this earth and go bankrupt. So, and those are big companies in the S&P 500. When I checked, the, big, the five biggest companies in the S&P 500, which is arguably the most widely held index fund across pension funds and retirement accounts, the five biggest companies, Google, Apple, Amazon, Tesla, and Microsoft. Now, here's a fun fact about those. Remember I said the S&P 500 was 20% from its previous high? Well, Google is 27% from its high, Amazon is 41% from its high, Apple is 23% from its high, Tesla is 46% from its high, and Microsoft is 23% from its high. This is eerily reminiscent of a recession, and we're not even in a recession yet. Technically, as I've said, uh, technically the definition of a recession is two quarters of declining GDP, and if we get declining GDP, when the numbers come out in July, then we will technically be in this recession. But we have a little bit of time before we figure that out. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about with the great financial crisis, since, since I brought it up, during the GFC, 
Our government's debt rose $1 trillion. Seems like a big amount, right? Well, just in the last five months, roughly 150 days, our government's debt has risen $1.5 trillion. As I've said, this is not sustainable, but we're pretty much in crisis mode. The artificial stimulus, it is absolutely required. And this means people's retirement accounts. If this shit goes sour, which it already has, as I've said, as I said in this podcast, the, the most widely held index fund is the S&P 500. So that's in all these people's retirement accounts. And you have big stocks like Google, Amazon, Apple, Tesla, Microsoft. They're all more than 20% off of their all-time highs. What if somebody needed to retire right now? What if someone's retirement account was mostly comprised of Apple and Apple went through the roof? It got to like 180 bucks. My retirement's going to be great. I'm retiring in three or four months. You know, it'll be all good. I'll sell my Apple shares and, and I'll retire off that money. Well, not only are they getting hit with inflation because everybody's costs are going up, but the thing that they banked on for retirement has gone down 20% or what, whatever percentage. So I don't know what they're going to do from here, but I think Jerome Powell at the Fed, I think they're going to be forced to change policy because they don't want people's pensions to be destroyed. They don't want people's retirement accounts to be destroyed. Or maybe they do. I don't know. What else? Gas, all-time high this week, last week, $4.59 a gallon. That's where it is where I am in White Lake, Michigan. That's where I, I see gas everywhere at $4.59. I remember I got my driver's license in 2015 or 2016, something like that. And I remember people telling me, oh, you're just, you're lucky you don't have to pay $4 a gallon like we had to pay back in, I don't know, 2011, 2012. And now I'm feeling that $4.60 at the pump. But something I kind of got off track earlier, in terms of generational opportunities, we see all these stocks at 52-week lows or even lower or near that. If you thought Apple was a good buy because you don't think Apple is going anywhere, is it just going to stop selling their products? I mean, their AirPods do like $23 billion a year in revenue alone. That's bigger than most companies in existence. Apple will be here 30 years from now. It'll be here 50 years from now. And I reckon it'll be here 100 years from now. So these major indices, as I've said, I've, I'm a long-term bull. We might see the S&P 500 take a dip. We might see it perform like it did in the Great Depression, where it went 25 years, where you know, the Dow Jones and major indices, they all, they were flat to shitty for 25 years. It took 25 years for them to break that high that they made. Now we could see something like that, but for a person like myself, I'm 23. I'm not going to be, you know, the standard age of retirement is 65. And as medical technologies advance, I figure we all could be working till 75, 85, who knows? I'm not going to be retiring for a long time. So if I buy Apple right now, at 140, that's what it's roughly at, and it dips down to 70, but in 40 years, it's a $700 stock. It doesn't really matter. As long as I'm not selling in the near term, the near term downdraft, down moves, they don't really impact me unless I get all emotional looking at my, uh, my investment accounts deep in the red. You don't lose if you don't sell, so 
long-term investments, they might play out pretty well. That's kind of what's worked for 40 years or so. And I do think it'll continue to work. So if you thought Apple was good at 180, is it even better at 140? I mean, you get that extra upside. But I think where the real winners are going to be are in commodities. And specifically, Tavi Costa, he's a financial analyst who I listen to a lot. Very, very brilliant guy. Uh, he's big in the investing career, economics, commodities space, all that. He put out a chart recently, and I think it was just on Twitter, and it was about uh, commodity producers over a billion-dollar market cap in the United States, New York Stock Exchange, and the Canadian exchanges. Commodities over a billion-dollar market cap, their free cash flow is three times its previous peak. So that means that it's it's free cash flow. I mean, it's simply put, it's just extra money. They're pulling, say, they're pulling gold out of the ground, costs them $1,400 to pull an ounce of gold out of the ground, and then they sell that gold for $1,800 an ounce. That's free cash flow, that extra 400 bucks. I think this is where the major opportunities are. We see a lot of commodity miners, gold miners, silver miners, uh, oil, uranium, copper, nickel, you name it. A lot of them are trading at discounts. I, I've looked at a lot of gold companies and they'll be valued at, uh, I don't know, pick, pick a number. I mean, I'm not using any specific examples, but say the company is valued at like $200 million based on the market cap. But underground, they have maybe 30 million ounces of gold. So in that scenario, 30 million times you know, roughly 1,800, we'll round it up to 2,000. That's, what's that, $600 million? Uh, I'm gonna do that math just so I'm not completely wrong. But if that's the case, a lot of these companies, since they've been absolutely hammered in the stock market, they're, they're trading at extreme discounts to their assets that are underground. And if it's a good, uh, promising business with good leadership, they, they should be able to pull those commodities out of the ground and sell it for a profit. So whatever it's valued at today, you could, you could argue that it's very promising because these commodities, they're going to be necessary in the future and they're going to pull it out of the ground one way or another unless they go insolvent. So what I wanted to talk about in terms of generational opportunity, I think the commodities are probably our best bet, although you can buy Apple at an extreme discount right now. You can buy Google, Facebook, Amazon, whatever. All these big companies, you can buy pretty much anything at a discount right now. And the companies that are gonna be here 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, they'll probably be trading significantly higher than today. Even if they have that further downside, we do expect that everything will go up in the long run. But I think what will go up the most in the long run are likely commodities. Tavi Costa, this financial analyst that I follow, very brilliant guy. He brought out a chart, and it was on the free cash flow of large commodity producers, meaning a billion-dollar market cap or higher in Canada or the United States. Uh, their free cash flow is 3x that of their previous high. So they've got money coming in, and they've got commodities in the ground, and more money chasing fewer goods, inflation. This results in commodities going up. And it, it results in their prices going up, or the, the cost of pr producing it, it results in that going up as well. But that's something that I'm looking forward to. Uh, gold miners, silver miners, oil, copper, nickel, uranium, all of those 
we are pretty much, with the exception of nickel, I don't know this for sure with nickel, we are pretty much guaranteed a shortage in all of these commodities, oil, copper, silver, uranium, we're guaranteed a shortage unless we increase production. Now, our world is heavily reliant on copper. We can't just not use copper. If we ran out of copper, it would be a crisis. If we ran out of oil, it would be a crisis. If we ran out of uranium, it would be a crisis. And silver, it would be a crisis. It's used in all these modern technologies and uh, you know, the electrification of the world. So if we're guaranteed shortage, then we pretty much have no choice but to have the spot price increase to incentivize more production, because if more production is not incentivized, then we run out of the, co the commodity. And higher prices is a lot better than a shortage. All right, one of the other big things that happened last week. This is the most significant thing that happened last week. Yeah, we saw the markets down for the seventh, eighth week in a row, whatever but retail got absolutely hammered. Target had earnings come out. They lost 25% in one candlestick. They're down almost 30% on the week. Absolutely treacherous. It came out that their transportation costs went up a billion dollars. And that's because oil went up for them too, just like it went up for us. All their semi-trucks that are shipping goods all over the country, it costs them more to fill up. So we saw that in Target, Walmart, is something we look at as a safe haven. Investors have always looked at Walmart as a safe haven. Companies like Walmart, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, they're, they're gonna keep selling. Coca-Cola is gonna continue to sell whether the market is going through the shitter or not. People are still gonna buy at McDonald's and people have no choice but to continue to shop at Walmart. It's a su successful, dominant brick and mortar store with chains all across the country. So people look at it as kind of a safe haven. Walmart isn't going anywhere, but Walmart had its biggest single day drop in 35 years, 11.7% in one day. That is a huge drop. Walmart is in the hundreds of billions in their market cap. We saw companies like Kohl's down 19%, Macy's down 12%, Dollar Tree 17%, Dollar General 16%. So retail got hit really hard. Some earnings came out, and that's kind of what drove it. If you see one big retailer taking a crap, you will see the smaller retails that trade with it also follow along with it. So crypto, it was pretty much flat, nothing exciting. We saw two weeks ago, Terra Luna exploded, the Ponzi scheme went bust, massive losses, but since then, market has been pretty much flat to shitty. Now, the ruble, this is pretty interesting, USD ruble, it's a, tr it's a currency pair between our dollar, the US dollar, and the Russian ruble. And relative to the US dollar, the ruble strengthened in value by as much as 7.8% today. I saw it, it went absolutely nuts. It hasn't been trading that favorably since 2015. And keep in mind, we put all these sanctions, and other countries put all these sanctions on Russia as an attempt to destroy them economically. And we saw the USD ruble, it went from 70 to 130, which means 70 rubles per US dollar to 130 rubles per US dollar. That's pretty bad. Well, now it's down near 55 rubles per US dollar. So Russia is balling with their currency. A strengthening currency is very good for their economy. And it's ironic because all these countries are trying to hurt them, but they are thriving because they're a huge commodity exporter and their currency is getting stronger and stronger by the minute, it seems. 
Bonds were pretty much flat. Interest rates didn't really move much. Commodities, relatively flat. Uranium took an absolute shit the last few weeks. I didn't really touch on that. The equities, the stocks that are mining the uranium, they kind of went down just with the general market, as expected. If you have all this liquidity, if, if you have a liquidity crisis, everything's going down. But the spot price in uranium has dropped from 65 to $47 just in the last, I don't know, three, four, five, six weeks alone. And I'm honestly kind of excited about that. I'm super bullish on uranium. If we want clean energy, we need uranium, end of story. We can only do so much with solar power and their technologies offered. Uh, wind turbines are not crazy efficient. Everyone wants to stop burning coal. People want to stop burning uh, oil. So uranium, it is the future. And with uranium down at 47 bucks, now we have more upside. At 65 bucks, I was almost thinking, well, what immediate catalyst is going to bring it to 70 or 75? I didn't really know. But now that we're down at 47, now we've got some good upside. Am I buying uranium stocks right now? Uh, not particularly. I'm more, if I'm buying anything right now for the long term, I'm buying good, solid gold miners that have a great track record, great management, assets in the ground, and they are producing free cash flow. And there are ways to get exposure to that space without having to individually pick companies. As I know, all you guys are busy, just like me and everybody else. You don't want to spend all this time if you're not interested in finance. You don't want to be researching 100 different gold stocks. If you want exposure, you could just buy GDX. That's a, the gold mining index. Or GDXJ if you want gold mining juniors, which will give you larger exposure, but at a higher risk. If GDX moves up 5% in a day, you might be able to expect GDXJ to move up 7 to 12%. It's not guaranteed, but uh, that's how I've seen it play out. And like I've said, the bigger ones, they are less risky. They've been in business longer. They're producing assets. They're pulling the commodities out of the ground, selling them for a profit. The juniors, a lot of them are more speculative plays. You know, they have, they just got land. They're in the permitting process or development or exploration. It's a lot riskier, but you can get more leveraged returns there, but you're more likely to have your shit go bust. And likewise with gold, Miners, you can invest in GDX, or if you want to invest in silver miners, which I, I believe offers leveraged gains relative to gold, SIL, SIL, that's the silver miners index, and SILJ is the silver junior miners index. So those are what I'm looking at for the week. I'm still waiting for crypto to go down a little bit more to back up the truck. And what else did I not mention on Max's Morning Market Mania? We had the markets, just as a recap, we had the markets, Dow Jones down eight weeks in a row. Last time that happened was 1923. Retail had its worst week in a long ass time. I don't know how long it's been, but we do not see companies like Target shave off 25% of their market cap in one candlestick very often. But we have seen that in tech. We've seen that in SPAC listings. And I don't know what's going to happen next, but we are approaching bear market territory. And I have a feeling that if the S&P 500 closes another week down, well, we will be in bear market territory. And I feel like that might really, really ruin people's sentiment in the market. And people might flee for safety and it might get worse. So I think this week is crucial. I think we need a rebound, whether we're going to get it or not. I don't know. 
Jerome Powell might have something to do with it when he opens his mouth Tuesday after market, but we don't know. And I will discuss it next week as we find out what happens on Max Morning Market Mania. Thanks for tuning in.